This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Shoutcast streaming provided by Versus the World Productions, www.vtwproductions.com. Hi, this is Will Wheaton from Radio Free Burrito, and you are listening to Versus the World Radio. ...on planet Earth and drives around in a spaceship called TARDIS that he built. He was played by Peter Cushing in two movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, and this really weird guy called Bernard Cribbins, who looks an awful lot like Donna's granddaughter, yeah, who knew, but a lot who, younger, was actually in it. Yeah, Who knew that Donna's grandfather used to be a police officer and went to Scarrow at one point? <laughs> or no, future Earth, not Scarrow. I don't want to make that mistake. I know, I'm terrible. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm curious here. How many of you have watched the new series but not seen any of the old series? <sighs> Poor bastard. Shame on you. <laughs> well, get to it. <laughs> well, this gives me a chance. This gives me a chance to push my blog again, then, because I have an entire page on there called "The Essential Doctor Who," which is recommended viewing for those of you who've not seen it. The, the, I've lost sound. Just as I'm doing a sales pitch, I lose sound. <laughs> well, that's probably why. <laughs> it is a sign. Yeah. Is that one still working? Hello. I prefer mine. Is this mine does working? not work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just start yelling. <laughs> Everyone push in real close. Be friendly now. <laughs> you all have something in common here. I certainly hope so. Well, you can always go see if you can find somebody who can... Uh, <laughs> Well, while they're sorting that out, I'll just Nothing. talk louder. Hello. Yep, we'll just talk louder. This one's working. Now are they working? Testing and stuff. They're sort of working, but they're very... They're kind of sort of working, I think. I'll just fake it. Anyway. (laughs) Speak loudly for a few moments. I'll try to get somebody to help. So to regain the momentum I pretended that we had. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I gather everybody's reasonably pleased with the current season. So I thought we'd touch on that for a little bit, skipping, of course, the episode that aired today. Nobody is to mention that it even exists, basically, because, yeah. It aired aired in the UK, so. But of course, since it aired in the UK, none of us would have seen it anyway, because I'm sure no one ever downloads. (laughs) I'm... I'm sorry, those are magic fairies. They just happened to deliver them to my mailbox. Thank you very much. Are we back on the air then? They work again? No? Hello? No. Okay, anyway. I don't think they are working now. So, yeah. The doctor's <laughs> wife. Just a good episode or a very good episode? Yeah. 
Now, out of, out of curiosity, who did not like The Doctor's Wife? Because I know there were people out there who disliked it. He's so-so. <laughs> Lynch him. No. <laughs> I would like to emphasize that blogging with Badger does not, does not call for violence in any way. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and if anybody's going to get lynched, it should be Russell T. Davies, but that's another discussion. <laughs> So anyhow, yeah, I gather everybody's pleased with how the season so far has been going. Yeah. Plenty of twists, all sorts of excitement. <laughs> Anybody have any questions or comments about this current season as it's going so far? Excellent. <laughs> okay, who put it in the wash? <laughs> the master's gotten to it. Take it to Legopolis. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Darn those tissue compression eliminators, you know? <laughs> well, in theory, at most of these sorts of things, I'd like to discuss what's happening next with the series, but unfortunately, they've been remarkably good about keeping it secret. On the plus side, they've been remarkably good, good about keeping it secret. secret. So, But uh, we do know that next week's episode that airs in the UK and the one that we will presumably get two weeks from now is the halfway season finale. After that, there's apparently no new episodes until sometime around September, although the BBC has not bothered to specify exactly when yet because why would they want to tell you? The BBC, well, the BBC never tells you anything, really. So, I mean, when did, when did they actually announce, when did they have the press launch for this season? About two weeks beforehand? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't quite understand their <laughs> scheduling ideas, but it seems to work. The show seems to be somewhat popular. So... <laughs> Yes. So, but yeah, yeah. So the, we'll have the uh, mid-season, kind of the mid-season break, and then we'll have the uh, other. Then we'll have the other six yeah. episodes, and then and a then little the break, Christmas and special. then the Christmas special. Yeah. Frustrating know. though this is in some ways. They did it for us, at least in theory, because they didn't want us to have to go nine months without any new content, which well, is understandable. But kind of breaking it up like that, yeah, we'll see. Well, plus they don't have plus. Sarah Jane, but. But no more Torchwood, and for no those who have, and for those who have not heard, Sarah Jane has officially been canceled in the wake of Elizabeth Sladen's death. They have uh, six episodes for three total stories that they did complete, and those are going to be airing at some point, but they have not announced when. But unfortunately, that is going to be it at that point. So, no, Torchwood has not been canceled. In fact, Torchwood starts airing in about seven weeks on Stars. It's uh, July eighth. The. Uh, there is a there is a there is a trailer out there now. You can get it through Daily Motion. You can get it through YouTube. You can you just put in Torchwood trailer. You can find you'll it on find my blog, it. Hint. Yeah, and it's it's out there. Uh, yeah, it it looks it looks it looks fun. I got to admit, so far at least in the trailer, uh, Eve Miles got the best line. So. And it'll be interesting seeing how Bill Pullman works with the show. Who would have thought he would have wound up in fan fiction? <laughs> Hopefully, Hopefully it will be. It looks good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a show that basically generates its own slash fiction. It's quite impressive in that way. <laughs> yes, but uh, yes, but uh, yes, but when you're considering Jack, is it really slash? They work again. <laughs> Yay! I have my mic again. Yeah, I mean, really. How lucky for all of you. <laughs> now, how many of you listen to the audio adventures on any kind of regularity? How many of you have no idea what the hell the audio adventures are? <laughs> Excellent. At this point, I will turn it over to Rob, who will educate you, and also tell you about what happens in January with the audios. Uh, for shame, 
for most of you. Between 89 and 2005, is that when the new series 2005, came out? well, and also well, 1996. Not counting 1996. The only thing we fans had were the audio adventures. It was Peter Davison, it was Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, and Paul McGann, who is fantastic in the audio adventures and is still doing them. All of them are still doing them to this day. Big yeah. Finish Production puts them out. Yeah, these things are basically uh, 20 uh, radio plays. They're done in 25-minute episodes, and it's done a lot in the format like the original series was. Yes, they are not audio books. They are actual full cast and crew and sound effects. It's so you movie. get the original Doctors and the original Canyons and people like that. And, and, and occasionally new the series. And occasionally new companions that they also add in there to the end of the mix, too. Yes, like that one woman. What's her name? Bernice something oh, or Oh, Bernice other? Summerfield. <laughs> if any of you need to, you all need to get Bernice Summerfield Audio Adventures. The first new companion introduced in the novels after the series ended in 89. And she continued with her own line and fantastic. And what important thing happens in January? Something happened in January? Coming up in January. Oh, would that be Tom Baker Audios with... Who is it? Uh, Louise Jameson or yeah, someone I've like that. And Mary Tam. And then Mary Tam and K-9 doing them as well, yes. Yes. Un unfortunately, due to Liz's untimely death, uh, they actually had just signed an agreement where she was going to do some with Tom Baker. Yeah, yes. so we were that close to Sarah Jane and the Fourth Doctor again, but... There are some Tom Baker audios. They're not quite full-fledged audios, but... He sounds a lot like Tom Baker. <laughs> and not so much like, like the fourth the doctor, doctor. But he sounds like Tom Baker. <laughs> well, that's what okay. happens when you, you know, let however many years go past and live the kind of life he does. That hard-rocking, hard-rolling existence. But the, one of the things about, just because, you know, this is a panel about the, the fans and all that, that was one of the things about the audios and the books and everything else is when the show went off in 1989. It's all we had. It, it's all... It's not only all we had, it's the fans literally took over what yeah. we had. The inmates the ran B the asylum for the a while. BBC abandoned <laughs> the whole thing, and the, the, yes, and the, the fans took over the thing. Including then, Russell T. Davies, who actually wrote a Doctor Who novel back in the day. That he did. Oh, yeah. And, and, there were, and, and a lot of the people from the first couple of seasons of the TV show are all fans who wrote books, they wrote the audios, then they became, then they became professionals. Then they became the then they became the people in the power, and they simply the, the fans simply took over, uh, and they're still there because Stephen Moffat is still one of those guys. Yes, and by the <laughs> way, for those of you who've never seen it, uh, go to YouTube and look up "Curse of Fatal Death." Oh God, that's funny. Oh yeah, written written by Stephen written by Stephen Moffat in 1999. It was for children in need. It's the uh, it's a charity thing that they do every year, and they, Doctor Who has done three or, uh, three or four of those now, but that was the, one of the first ones. Yeah, it uh, stars, at least initially, Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get folks like Hugh Grant and Jim Broadbent to putting in appearances, and it's really well done. Yeah, and, uh, oh yeah, it, yeah, it's, it, it, <laughs> yes. It, and Jonathan it, Price is the master, who is possibly the best master the show's had in a long time. <laughs> Which is too yeah. bad because, well, he's not been on the show but officially. I, but it, I, it's just, you know, from a fan's perspective, I, I just don't, honestly, and I was thinking and I was thinking about this when we were, you know, about thinking about the panel there, is I don't, you know, there's a lot of Star Trek fandom, especially in this country. I mean, but do the fans really grow up to take over the studio? No, not really. Well, I understand <laughs> that the writers of the most recent movie were big-time fans yeah, of Star Trek. but I but, mean, 
you know. Yeah, it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> On the other hand, Star Trek is a massively different franchise yeah. with entirely different goals, and frankly, of late, hasn't been as good. But that's another issue. But, but that's a, but that's another universe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, back briefly onto the uh, onto the audios, I would. I cannot recommend those highly enough. You know, for those of you who have been fans of the old series back when it aired, or for those of you who've not even been exposed to it, you know, they've got stories with the Daleks, with the Cybermen. They've got a whole small series set on Gallifrey. They've done all sorts of things with them, and they are really interesting. And in fact, they've actually got a whole uh, story that they're doing soon, which is like, what, five of the companions plus Peter Davison running around? They've already started those. Yeah, including uh, Ian. It's, It's like Ian, and who else is in that? Oh, I don't even remember. Sorry. Everybody, basically. <laughs> but yeah, the, Ian, Susan. Uh, Susan does play in some of the Paul McGann audios with the doctor's great-grandson also. Yes. Yes, they did this interesting story called An Earthly Child, where, they, where the eighth doctor, played by Paul McGann, goes back to Earth after he left Susan behind, meets up with her again and her, gra- and her son, which is played by Jake McGann, who is Paul McGann's son. I think that I need a chart to keep track of this. (laughs) They will both be at the Doctor Who convention in Los Angeles in February. Speaking of which, for those of you who do not know about this, Gallifrey1.org. It is the 23rd Doctor Who convention that is in Los Angeles. Happens every year. It's only 90 bucks this year. It's cheaper if you pre-reg. The 8th Doctor is going to be there. Ian, the guy who played Ian, William Russell, is going to be there. Uh, Mary Tam, Louise Jameson, whole tons of people, and they haven't even announced everybody who's going to be there yet. It is a really good time, and it is a heck of a lot of fun. And it's been growing and growing over the years. Yes, and they are already starting to run somewhat low on hotel space, so if you're going to go, do your reservation now. Yes. And go, it's really fun, apparently. Yes, it is. She and I have been going for a decade. It is fun. I've been, I've been to uh, 17 out of, the 20, out of 22 so far. Well, and you know, that actually brings me on to another thing, is that kind of getting back to what you had, is the interaction with the series and its fan base. Yep. Is, you know, every time I have gone to that, I have found that even the really big marquee stars have been very good and polite with the fans. Oh, yeah, they are. You know, they wander around outside of the panels, and they just kind of mingle. Oh, yeah, I, oh, yeah. You, Back when Stephen Moffat was actually coming to Gallifrey, he'd be sit- he'd just be sitting in the hallway, and you could just walk, you could walk up and sit down. I did, uh, and just sit there and talk to him. He, you know, he he wasn't going to tell you. Oh, by the way, they, I'm I'm going to take over the show next year, and this will be my last year. <laughs> but he wasn't going to tell you that. But you know, things like that. But they're very approachable. I mean, generally in, at night. Uh, you, if you go into the sports bar at the LAX Marriott, you'll find just about every one of them. Yes, rumor has it that Colin <laughs> Baker has been known to become very friendly the more fans buy him beer. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, oh, uh, that brings back to the point I wanted to make about the audios. Because uh, even though I haven't heard a lot of them, one of the things that you really should check out on the audios is Colin Baker. Because yes. usually, as Colin has said at Gallifrey many times, on the audios, he got to do the Sixth Doctor the way he wanted to do it. Yes, and I mean, I've, I've always kind of liked the Sixth Doctor. You know, I had kind of a soft spot for him. But you know, I will admit his characterization throughout the series was really uneven. But he really does come back and, and sells uh, it well in those audios. Well, in the first, Excellent. In the, Someone leaned. <laughs> okay, the, okay, the Daleks are coming for us any time now. Don't blink. Don't do it. <laughs> Okay, somebody did that on purpose. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> so, 
Is anybody missing? <laughs> but no, the, uh, the point I was going to make about Colin Baker is a lot of people gave him a hard time, you know, in fandom back in the, the 80s and all that. But if you, but when he got to doing the audios, the first two years that they did a, uh, the fan poll of the best doctor for the entire year of audios, he won twice in a row. Yeah, he, he and really. This is Colin does. Baker, the the guy that was, the fans supposedly hated. The only man to get fired from the role, and he really does do a very good job of redeeming himself. And his missing season has been released on audio. The yes, there were a bunch of episodes that they had scripted and they had purchased and were ready to start filming when the show was canceled. That never happened. So they've gone through and done audio versions of these with the Sixth Doctor and Perry or Mel, and depending. Perry's and American accent got worse. And <laughs> actually, just last month, I saw that they released the first one from season, what would have been season 27, mm-hmm. which would have been 1990 season, uh, that, that actually had, had ideas. They'd already, they'd already kind of sort of worked out the order. And they're, and doing, some, things like they're doing some interesting stuff, too, of mixing up doctors and companions. Like, there's a couple of stories with the sixth doctor and Jamie running yeah. around together. So, Oh, yeah. And didn't they have one of the eighth doctor companions wind up with the sixth doctor Wind up with point? the sixth doctor, yes. And they also had the fifth doctor, two weeks after they dropped off Nyssa, pick her up again, but she's 50 years older. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, so anybody got any questions for our exciting little panel here that reminds you why fan is short for fanatic? <laughs> yes. Why did they change the opening? What is with the... Uh, yeah. A little Amy intro, yeah. Is this Amy's story or is this Dr. Who? Are you talking about changing the opening with... Uh, she talks about her friend, the doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And didn't they do that after a couple episodes, or did I just miss it in the first episode of the season? Yeah, they didn't even do it at the beginning of the season, and I'm confused by it as well. You know... There you go. What? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't because seen I've it. never seen Doctor Who. I'm glad they have the explanation. <laughs> that that would explain my confusion, because, because never, I, of course, never, never seen through the, that when I watched it on BBC America, because I would never just download them or anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, the Magic Fairies don't do American versions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back there. <laughs> it would be nice to see her back again. I wouldn't expect it anytime soon, but man, it would be nice. Well, she did marry a doctor after all. <laughs> and while, while we're on the subject, while we are on the subject of Jenny... What was up with that girl regenerating at the end of... Uh... Who was that? Anyone? <laughs> okay, hands we'll up everybody who out. thinks that was somehow River Song. Okay, hands up everybody who thinks it was the Ronnie. <laughs> and hands up everybody who thinks it's... And everyone who thinks that it was some combination of all of those and also Amy's child. <laughs> <laughs> You win. That was a little broad, wasn't it? <laughs> but, no. Yes. Yes, you. Go ahead. Bigfinish.com. They're, or the public library, or Amazon, C-O-U-K. But BigFinish.com has them available for download. You can purchase them cheaper for download. And that's big as in something very large and finish as in, I'm sure they wish I would finish this speech. 
<laughs> and they also do they do Highlander, they do Stargate, they do Dark Shadows, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, Holmes, Sapphire they did, and Steel. They did, great well, they did do Sapphire and Steel until somebody well, pulled the rights from them. Yeah. But, uh, but they still have them available. And you can yeah. download directly from them or you can buy them on CD format. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes. Ah, that was the theory. However, if you watch Sarah Jane Adventures, if you watch the many? Sarah Jane, five hundred and seven is the new number. Which I assume that number was sarcastic, but I'm going to assume that they lifted the restriction because let's face it, they had to lift it at some point. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm voting right now for a redheaded woman. <laughs> but yeah, for those of you actually, for those no of you who have, gingers. <laughs> so you're. So what you're saying is we're going to have the Dr. Donna back again. Ah, uh, there's a thought. <laughs> on, on a completely unrelated side note, speaking of Donna, how cool was it to see Catherine Tate on The Office a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> but anyhow, uh, yeah, for those of you who did not see it, uh, back last year on the Sarah Jane Adventures, they did a very special episode that uh, not only had, of course, Sarah Jane and her little crunch bunch, but included Joe Grant, the, the third Joker. Doctor's companion. And also uh, in that episode included the 11th Doctor. And he flat out said in there that, uh, you know, they, they essentially got rid of the limit for how many times he can regenerate, yeah, which realistically they had to do at some point. Yeah, it was, um, a, it was a flip comment. While they're crawling through an air duct. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, from <laughs> what I understand, when Robert Holmes wrote The Deadly Assassin, which is where the limit was first mentioned, he never intended it to be taken seriously. So I guess the lesson there is be careful what you write. He also said he could be any color as well. Yes. Plus could be the, any color, and it's been, it's been made very clear that the Doctor, or that Time Lords in general can, in theory, switch genders, because he makes mention with the Corsair and the Doctor's wife having done that. Yeah. And, the, and the master has, what, about 16 so far? <laughs> Back there, yes. So you're talking about people who are in costume, basically? Yeah. Excellent. Well, okay. unfortunately, I have a panel after this one. <laughs> and you're out of costume anyway. Where's your celery stalk? I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't cost nine bucks. <laughs> yes, back there. <laughs> Well, there was the comment, I don't remember the exact wording, but there was a comment in an episode, a couple of episodes ago, where they said uh, something like the river runs through the forest or something like that. And you know, yes, and I can't help but remember that the episode where River Song got killed was called Forest of the Dead. And you know, I have a feeling that we are going to see a return to the library at some point. That's just a guess, but I would not be surprised. Yes. Um, back on the subject of the, uh, the like the you only can have twelve regenerations. Speaking of like his last regeneration, do you think they'll ever even mention the Valier 
Well, you know, they did do that episode last year with the Dream Lord, played by Toby, what was his name, Jones, who you can also see playing Carl Rove in the movie W. And boy, did he look the part. It was really creepy. But anyway, um, you know, that character was very similar to the Valyard in that he was a you know, conglomeration of all the Doctor's evil tendencies. So, you know, I would not be surprised if they are going to try and work him in somewhere in some way. I would doubt it, because they have ignored, more often than not, this rich history that Doctor Who has had since 1963, which is my main problem, one of my few problems. I actually like the new series, but they ignore a lot of things that I really wish they would bring back. Fake Cybermen. I don't get it. Yeah, how wonderful would it be to see the Draconians again, for those of you who are familiar with some of the third Doctor episodes? I, I, I'm with a lot of people. I want, the, I want the Zygons, especially with today's technology. Yes. I would love to see a return to Peladon at some point. Alpha Centauri. Same outfit, same voice. Yes, same go, go back to Peladon, have the original Alpha Centauri saying, humans often find my appearance to be very unconvincing. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Good question. I'm glad uh, okay, you brought that okay. up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll come back to her. Yeah, we'll come back to you in just a moment. I, I want to I know why the silence was in the room. Because <laughs> she forgot her question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another paradox. The two words timey-wimey come to mind. I mean... Yeah, time, I was going to say, timey-wimey. Yeah, oh yeah. This, either this that, is Stephen we're talking about. Either yeah. that or, you know, I'm not, I, I have not seen the episode that aired in the UK today, but I can't help but notice that there is, at the end of the last episode, a, a silly putty version of the Doctor running around. So, you never know there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have Other you than seen? Time crash. Yeah, have you seen Time Crash? Yes. I have a feeling that might be the best that we get. Although I can't help but notice that in 2013 we hit the 50th anniversary, and the Five Doctors was done for the 20th anniversary. The Three Doctors was done for the 10th, and the Two Doctors was done for the 25th, if I remember correctly. Yep. So I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to have to do something special for the 50th anniversary. They can't just yeah. ignore it. Well, you know, the only thing Stephen Moffat has said so far is there, he's going to have to... When somebody asked him about that on one of these uh, British chat shows, and he just basically just kind of blew it off and said, well, I'm obviously going to have to come up with something, but I haven't really thought about it yet. Yeah, it it's is like, a couple and, of and years it, off. Given, given him, he probably has, but he's not going to tell you. <laughs> yes, it'll turn out that something, some reference in uh, the, the empty child will wind up being linked back to it or something like that. Um, <laughs> He'll do something. <laughs> he will do something. I, you know, from what I understand, Christopher Eccleston's departure was somewhat less than amicable, so I don't know if we would ever see him back. I doubt and it. And I'm sure David Tennant wants to move on with other things, but Paul McGann has expressed an interest, I'm, from what I understand, as long as he doesn't have to wear the wig. <laughs> uh, you know, Sylvester McCoy, I 
seem to remember has been interested in it, but he's busy filming The Hobbit right now. So I will say if they do a multi-doctor episode, no offense to the previous ones, but the writing was a little choppy. So, you know, the problem with the problem with the multi-doctor episode is you have to work everybody in and give everybody something to do. And I'm noticing there's a horrible feedback. Yeah. <laughs> and it ain't us. <laughs> yes, my voice, while nasally and droning, is not quite that bad. Yes. It didn't work the last time, at least not totally. <laughs> I will say, I will say on my blog, <clears throat> which I've dropped the you know, mention of once or twice, yeah, uh, I do have my section of the worst of Doctor Who, and the Eighth Doctor movie did get a very lengthy write-up. Because, you know, it had its moments, and it was worth it as kind of a middle ground between the old and the new, but it was not great. That said, <laughs> that said, I think that the American version could be okay depending on who was doing it and how it was done. You know, it's kind of like any other adaptation of anything, really. It's all behind who is involved and what they intend to do. You know, I think a lot of us probably would have thought that there couldn't have been a better Joker than Mark Hamill or than, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson. But then along came Heath Ledger, which some blasphemous dogs Horrible. don't like. Horrible. Worst Joker ever. <laughs> Go ahead and stone me. I don't care. <laughs> Not the Joker. Mark Hamill is the Joker. But anyway, Doctor... But, you know, they... But the... Uh... They were... There was this rumor circulating a couple of years ago that an American movie was going to be made for the big screen with Johnny Depp playing the doctor. <laughs> Directed by Tim Burton. No. no. <laughs> Music by Danny Elfman. Because <laughs> what could be better than Danny Elfman scoring a Doctor Who project? Uh, the Silence. <laughs> <laughs> I think it helped to a point. I mean, it was still about nine years before the series came back on the air, but I think it was vital in jump-starting the books uh, and giving the audio adventures their start. Because I think had that movie not been made, we probably still would have had something, but it might have been a little bit further along. You know, it might have been just now we'd be getting something. Well, plus, the BBC was getting embarrassed on a regular basis. Uh, things like uh, the, uh, they, they had this big grand 60th anniversary of the BBC and they had this big contest to see who was, you know, what was going to be, you know, the, uh, you know, the greatest BBC TV shows of all time. Doctor Who came in second. Right behind Are You Being Served, right? No, it was, uh, some, no, it was actually, no, no, it was some 60s TV show called Kathy Go Home, which I've never heard of except in the poll, uh, was number one. But the, Doctor Who was number two, and, and the BBC's immediate response at the time uh, was that the fans spiked the poll. Well, duh. Because <laughs> I'm sure people who don't like the show wouldn't have voted. But, uh, the, but it, no, it, just show, it just showed that the BBC at that time was still the old BBC, the one that canceled it, the one that didn't want to have anything to do with it. And, but those people moved on. The fans, like, you know, like, Julie, Gard like Julie Gardner, Jane Tranter, uh, you know, and Russell, and, and all those people moved in. Well, you know, much as I am not overly enamored with a lot of Russell T. Davies' writing style, and I think that's about the politest way I could put it for somebody who wrote Love and Monsters, uh, I will say Never that... Never heard you know, of it. 
I will say that, uh, you know, I am grateful to the guy for bringing the show back, but... Uh, Thank yeah. you. Now go away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back there. Well, I understand that in the, that on on BBC One, I understand the show has been pulling respectable ratings. I think it's either been yeah. first or second in its second time place slot. only to some kind of dance or American yeah, like Idol Britain's type got show. Talent kind yeah, of the usual thing. Yeah, the yeah the ratings for the most recent one. The most recent one uh, was like still was down a little bit, but that was because of competition from football, <laughs> aka soccer. Uh, the only real football. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know things and things things of that nature. And I believe tonight uh, the episode was supposed to be up against a uh, a football match and the finals of uh, the British version of So You Can So Can You Can Dance or something yeah. like that. And the BBC was slightly worried about the you know, about the ratings and stuff. But you no, know, it's been pulling your your typical. Six to eight million people, which for modern British television is still phenomenally well. Good. And as I recall, as I recall, the uh, last <laughs> David Tennant episode pulled over twenty percent of the TV audience for its yeah. time slot. It's yeah. doing which is very not well. Unimpressive. It's, it's not still doing. It's still doing. It, yeah, it's still doing better than most TV shows on Britain on British television. If you are not a soap. <laughs> and you know, barring some sort of horrible accident, I am fairly sure that we will have at least another year or two of Matt Smith. So. He's, yeah, actually, I saw him on a. I, I actually saw him on a. I, uh, the Magic Fairies actually delivered one of those talk shows to my, my desktop this morning, and I watched it. And he said, "He said, I hope I'm going to be around for a couple of more years." <laughs> uh, but also, I will say, as far as ratings go, that it has been a very huge rating success for BBC America. Ever since oh, they yeah. started airing the show the same day that it airs in the UK, except for today. Uh, yeah, they they have pulled record audience numbers for them, yeah. which is pretty nice. And I know that they've been pushing the show heavily. They had, uh, you know, they had uh, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and uh, what's her name, uh, Alex Kingston, all on uh, the Late Late Show with Greg Ferguson at various points. Heck, so, they, the Today Show even did something from Doctor Who for heaven's sake. I'd rather pretend that didn't happen. That was just kind of cringeworthy. Yes, but the fact that they even <laughs> noticed. The fact that they noticed is nice. Back there in the green, you've been very patient. The, uh, the angels or the silence? The Which do we think is more frightening, the angels or the silence? Over to you, Rob. <laughs> Who are the silence? I don't remember them. <laughs> because I look away and... and never... yeah, yeah. The angels, although all you have to do is turn out the light and they can do, do whatever they want. I still have issues with that. <laughs> I... The, I will, I will generally agree with the Angels thing, but I do think, you know, a point he just kind of touched on, the, they are a little too powerful. It's kind of like the Vashta Narada from the uh, two-part library episode. Realistically, nobody would have survived that. Yes. You know, yes, not every shadow, but any shadow, whatever, we know. But Any drop of water. Yeah, uh, you know, it, that is one problem I have with the show. You know, they, they kind of create infinite stakes with a lot of these creatures, and, you know, it's, it gets a little uh, after a while. Uh, what about you as far as the silence the, of the angels? I would still say the angels, my, myself, because I think they are better. And, uh, but I, and I also think that uh, 
Stephen Moffat just, he, he's, a, he's got a really kind of wicked sense of humor. I wish I had it on tape. He did a, at Gallifrey, he did a running commentary of the, of, uh, the first Weeping Angels. Well, in a, as an audience thing, kind of like this, you know, he was up and he was, and he was watching the screen, he was making comments, and he's going, and, the mon and now the monster is not moving, and now he's, he, now he's still not moving. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, yeah. I do think that to an extent the Weeping Angels are more frightening and effective yes. because when you're a kid, you yeah. know that your toys move when you're not in the room, like Toy Story, yeah. but you also know that statues are kind of moving, because they have to be, because they look like people yeah. and things that look ever, like people. Do you ever look at gargoyles the, way, the same way again? Yeah. <laughs> not, since AB, not since Disney canceled the series, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, down in the front. Um, which episode of you, of Angels do you think was better, Blink or the two-parter? Blink. 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 Speaking of Blink, today is the birthday of Carrie Mulligan, who played Sally Sparrow. The, the best I know this, for I have no life, and Roger Ebert tweeted it. <laughs> Uh, most of these people in this room probably have no life. That's why they're here. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we're just ahead of them. But we love you for here. it. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> yeah, there was a question over that way. Now, going back to the movie, there was a, an odd revelation in the I'm sorry, we don't know what we're talking what you're talking about, the silence. Have they Not that I recall. For those for those of you nope. who don't know, in the eighth Doctor movie, there is a reference to the Doctor being half human. The master makes a comment about it and the Doctor later makes a comment on it his own. So And this is why Americans don't do Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I could kind of accept it with some chameleon arch, human nature-y kind of thingy as yeah, far as that goes. Yeah, it was never addressed in the books or in the audio, because there were a lot of, uh, about 60 Paul McGann books before the audios, and it was never mentioned, that I recall. Based on the timing that takes away his memory and makes him human? There was a book that was based on that book, wasn't it? The episode? There was uh, a, a set of... Oh. Yeah, there were, there were two episodes, uh, Human Nature and Family of Blood, that were based off of a Seventh Doctor novel. Who wrote those? Some guy named Cornell something. Mm, Cornell yeah, West, something I think. Something like that. Yeah. Paul something, yeah. Yeah, yeah St. Paul, Minneapolis, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Paul Cornell. But there was, there's a lady over here who's been... Well, it's, I'm, I'm trying to kind of, in theory, go from side to side here. So okay. let's go with this gentleman over here. Ah, there you go. Do you know which book? Mine too. If you ever get a chance to listen to any of the audios, start with Paul McGann. He really is fantastic. Back there in the uh, coat.
Well, my guess is that they probably would not have much say in it. I'm sure that that would probably come down to BBC Worldwide making that kind of decision. And it would probably be one of those things of, you know, they would consult with them a little bit and they would tell them that it's being done and please try not to conflict with the continuity. But I suspect, you know, if the BBC wanted to push one, then they would push one on their own. Yes? <laughs> Who's your favorite companion? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> of the new series, the old series, or just the audios, or all? All. So... <laughs> So when I was a, a young teenage boy growing up in Washington State and feeling very confused about certain issues with my life, I fell in love with Adric. <laughs> well, I suppose somebody had to. <laughs> it shames me to admit this to this day, but, you know, I've, I've still got kind of a soft spot for Adric, widely misguided though that may be. Well, he, well you can always visit him. He lives in Connecticut. That's true, and he, and he was at Gallifrey One last year, the annual Doctor Who convention held in Los Angeles. All of you should go. <laughs> what about you? Favorite companion, of course, will always be uh, Sarah Jane Smith for me. Understandable. <laughs> I'll keep it more modern and say Donna Noble. Yes. Which one? No, there's a guy with his hand up over there if you want to talk to him. Yes. Uh, the purple shirt, and then well, first, the first, other one. First you, and then we'll go for purple shirt. Okay, there we go. So, kid first. You know, they did a lot of that in the original series, particularly with Tom Baker. I mean, they basically rented an old hospital, essentially, and had the doctor and his companion running around through it and said, this is the inside of the TARDIS, which looks nothing like all these gravel quarries. Uh, yeah. They, and they did, you know, they did have some of that in The Doctor's Wife where they showed, hey, look, here's more corridors. Oh, look, more, more corridors. Hey, look, it's the same corridor. Oh, look, here's another corridor, and here's Rory. Oh, my God, they killed Rory. <laughs> Again. I would like to see much more of the interior of the TARDIS. You know, I had my hopes up when they mentioned an old control room. I had this mental oh. image that it might have been one of the great white ones or the Oscar, Tom Baker Oscar old Oscar control, control room. Yes. And, you know, the Tenth Doctor one was not a bad choice, but... I would love to see more of the TARDIS. I would like an entire episode set in the TARDIS. Yes. That didn't involve corridors. Okay, so purple shirt. Purple shirt. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Uh, you over there, the gentleman in the chair. <laughs> oh. The Doctor's Wife, I, I think that was probably one of the best bits of Who put to screen in quite some time. And that's a surprise because I'm not a huge fan of Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I, I really liked Good Omens. I thought the Sandman was, and Coraline, but I really liked The Doctor's Wife. Uh, I, I liked seeing all of the exploded TARDISes. I liked the auxiliary console that they built. Yeah, there really wasn't too many complaints I had in general about that episode. There was a scene in The Doctor Confidential if you haven't seen that, where they actually expand upon that, that graveyard scene where you have TARDISes and they died looking like whatever they happened to look like. So there's a broken piano in the corner and, it's, and it the, really expands upon. So watch The Confidential, but that was a fantastic scene and, and a fantastic the, uh, episode. And the, and the, and the, uh, 
the hacked together TARDIS con console there was designed by a 12-year-old girl from England because it was a, uh, there was a contest. And so Better than the Absorbaloft contest. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Oh, the Smilers? They were pretty damn creepy, weren't they? <laughs> and of course the angels, yes. I would say to an extent, my, the, the one that scared me the most is the Slovene, because that revealed how close I could come to suicide after watching a Doctor Who episode. But on a, on a more serious side, you know, I actually find, especially in the older episodes, the Daleks to be quite menacing. But only in the older ones, you know, now that they've gotten all gold-colored and... Power uh, Rangers. Yeah, yeah, the Technicolor Daleks. You know, and in, in, in the Peter Cushing movies, they were also kind of Technicolor and uh, not so much. they weren't on steroids. That was no, the problem. Yeah, they didn't have so much junk in the trunk. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. As for you, you're a scariest monster, other than Rose. <laughs> uh, hey, you can't keep her down. She gets Rose. sent to other universes, and she still comes back. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with this woman. I may have to just blurt out something later because I can't think of anything that scared me that much. The the twisty people with the the smilers they, they were, were kind of creepy, yeah. and the weeping angels. Although mm. I'm I'm not as scared of them now as I was. No hiding <laughs> behind the sofa for me. Yes, back there. I have not seen it. I know that it exists, uh, uh, and beyond that, it's Australian. The Australian one, yeah. <laughs> the, I have, the, the, the Magic Fairies delivered it, but I haven't watched it all yet. It's not, <laughs> bad, it's not bad, but it, is a, but it is actually a kid's show, and it is aimed, I would say, actually even slightly lower than Sarah Jane was, actually. Sarah Jane had a good audience. But, uh, but, yes. but I mean, as far as the age group and all that, the... the it it was a it, it wasn't bad, but it was yeah. It was definitely a kid. It's definitely a kid show. I've only watched a little bit of it. And you know, I, I have yet to see it. On so. a side note, as far as the Sarah Jane Adventures goes, for those of you who were fans of the original series, well, or presumably still are, if you have not seen the Sarah Jane Adventures, do try to. It does build very much off of the original series, and it feels a lot like the original series. Plus, it contained the very last appearance of Nicholas Courtney playing the Brigadier. Yeah, and and the first three the. First three out of the four series are actually are actually available on DVD in this country, and hopefully the fourth season will make it in this country too. But uh, yeah, you can actually get them on DVD, DVD even if they don't show them on television here. Now that lady has been waiting like a really long time to ask a question. So you know the lady in the blue the lady in the blue thing there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what were what were our opinions on the doctor's first run in with Torchwood? Beyond why didn't he ever encounter them in the seventies? <laughs> or or the eighties, depending on when you think that the unit stories took place. Uh I had no real problems with it. I could see why the Doctor would be very distrustful of Torchwood. I think that they could have perhaps actually played that up a little bit more, uh, especially given that his Connection with Jack has been somewhat uh, a little less than sunny at times. But, you know, then, you know, pretty much immediately Torchwood helped him out not long after that and kind of saved the world. So Necessary evil, I think, is the way he looks at them. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would say he probably views them as more of a necessary evil than Unit, which I think he kind of got into liking Unit after quite a while. Uh, back there in the white hair. 
Well, let's see, it's May now. <laughs> the current series ends sometime towards the end of the year, so sometime between now and the end of the year is my guess. But that Next kind of, year. I think that actually depends on what they wind up doing with Riversong, because there is that little part of me that thinks she might be the Ronnie. And in that case, they're not going to want to do anything with that. Of course, you know, the only other Time Lord that we've seen recently has been Timothy Dalton playing Rassilon, although they could kill him off and have him regenerate into Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yes. I've not played them. I've heard very good things about them, but I've not played them. I also, much to my annoyance, they, they are not releasing like the Nintendo DS or the Nintendo Wii games here in the States, which irks me. Those I want to play. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard decent things about the PC versions, but I've not played them, so I really can't comment one way or the other. We'll play them when we get home. <laughs> yes. You first, because I know your opinion on this. Uh, I hate Rose. <laughs> and that's why I love Christopher Eccleston, because he's not hot enough for Rose to fall in love with. <laughs> the doctor does not have sex. The doctor looks at humans as we look at pets. That's the way I see it. There is love, there is companionship, but you do not sleep with your pet. So you're saying that the tenth doctor looked at Rose like a lonely shepherd looks at a sheep? He is Scottish. <laughs> what, what about you on this one? The sexualization of the series as it's gone on. Honestly, I'm just, I really just not really. It's just I don't there. care. I just, yeah, it's just there. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. I wasn't one of these people. I wasn't one of the people who, who went, you know, Paul McGann, you know, you know, kissed Daphne Ashbrook that, you know, I went, you know, that went completely bananas and, you know, I had a complete meltdown. I'm that just was like, just an impulse kiss. It wasn't a yeah, I, you know, What about I, the it second does, time? I'm still, I'm still more about the stories than than things like that anyways. I will say that, you know, I, I think that there's been kind of a, uh, just a trend in general towards a bit more sex and sexuality on TV. As a fan of the series who is somewhat other than straight, I've been very pleased to see that a lot of the sexuality that they have incorporated has been things like Captain Jack, you know, being willing to shag anything that moves or doesn't. You know, I mean, there, there, were, there were a couple of hints back in the day, especially during the Tom Baker era, you know, they had a, I don't remember which episode it was, which one was it that had those two? The Mask of Mandragora. Yeah, they had these two guys who were pretty obviously a couple, but never actually said to be a couple. And, you That's know, John Nathan from. Turner, the producer of the series at that point, was openly gay, and they had Matthew Waterhouse playing Adric, who was gay, but they never really did anything with sexuality at all. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it either way, pretty much. As long as it's handled well, I don't really care. Yeah, that's and why subtle. I, I like subtle. Well, subtle well, that's subtle why is I say preferred. It, it's more about the stories, not about... I don't want it jammed in my things. face, as it <laughs> were. Anyway. <laughs> yes, back yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I would pay good money to see another episode where they destroy the damn thing. Because they had an episode with the fifth doctor where the sonic screwdriver got destroyed. And for the entire rest of the fifth doctor and all of the sixth doctor, and I think most, if not all, the seventh doctor, there was no sonic screwdriver. So the doctor no longer had his handy little bit of whatever tech. His magic wand was gone. Yeah. And, and the reason they destroyed it is because they said they were using it too much. Mm-hmm. Now, part of the logic behind the sonic screwdrivers, they don't want to have to stop and explain every time the doctor needs to pick a lock or run a scan or whatever else. But, you know, you just write around that so that you don't do that so much. And then you don't have to explain it so much. You know, I would like to see them get rid of the sonic screwdriver. I cheered when Matt Smith's screwdriver blew up at the beginning of that And episode. cried when it and came back. And cried when it came back. <laughs> Even more bizarre than before. Yes. Good mother. Let's go with you first on that. Well, it's real simple. I was in I was in college. I, I my roommate and I were just you know just sitting around watching uh, you know flipping channels, and I and the Wirren fell out of the closet in episode two of the Ark in Space, <laughs> and both of my roommate and I both said in unison, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> And uh, then we found, and then 25 minutes later, we went, oh, we want more of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been watching this thing, most people would say obsessively, for the last 30 years. But it was, that, it's been mostly the, it was the, it was the writing and the, uh, the stories and things like this. Yeah, because the old, the old series, you, you do have... I, and I agree with Colin. I agree with Colin Baker when he says that you know there's a certain charm with the you know the wobbly sets and the shaky monsters. He said, "No, there's not. You you just like the stories. Get over it." You know. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how I came across it. I know that back in the 1980s there was this magical thing called PBS. Yeah. <laughs> And they had to raise money. And so they would have these things called pledge drives where they would come on your screen and threaten to not show you anything unless you pay them. (laughs) And I remember it was sometime while watching one of these that, you know, I I don't remember what I was trying to watch. It was probably something like Are You Being Served or Blackadder or maybe Red Dwarf. And I remember I saw, which for those of you who like Red Dwarf, it's going back into production. Yeah. Uh, And I remember, you know, I, I probably saw it Probably would have been a Peter Davison episode. I don't know which one. But, you know, from that point, I started watching it. Found out that one of my friends already liked watching it. Found out that my dad, who I had not seen in about 10 years at that point, liked the series. So apparently it's genetic, which would explain you. (laughs) My father recorded every single episode on our $700 VHS player we got when they first came out. And I watched Robot and never stopped. Yeah, my yeah my my oldest begin at the beginning, go through to the middle, and stop eventually. Yeah, my my oldest tape is actually the Five Doctors when it was broadcast in 1983. On yes, PBS. the very first DVD that I bought was the Five Doctors. I've Although, still got that tape. Speak, speaking of the Five Doctors, if you guys get the chance, pick up the special edition version DVD of it. There is an Easter egg commentary by David Tennant and a bunch of the production staff, which is really worth listening. And they're all to. drunk. <laughs> yes. As a couple, <laughs> I think that Mickey and Martha as a couple strikes me as proof that Russell T. Davies exceeds as a writer who likes writing about bizarre emotional family connections. <laughs> but it's not a relationship that bears any real logic to me. 
you know, strange love and all that, I suppose, but I, I just don't see it. And I don't think we'll ever see them again, so I don't know that it really necessarily matters, but... Yeah. I had forgotten about <laughs> it Mickey, until you Mickey just with the spine it, is much more interesting than, than lump Mickey. <laughs> you know, I... That depends on Catherine Tate. Martin I think else. that depends, because according to what I have heard, the producers of the American version of The Office have her as their favorite for the role of the boss for the series, for taking over from Steve Carell. So if she does that, that means she's going to be doing 22 episodes a year here in the United States and probably won't have time for Doctor Who, but we'll see how that goes. I'd I would love, love to see yeah. her again, except, you know, they, they put in that little thing of, if she remembers the Doctor, her brain will explode. Oh, unless, of course, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and things like that I do get kind of tired of. So I wouldn't mind seeing her again, but there is that big thing to overcome there. We could have her take over the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Poor children. <laughs> yes. Oh. Back there. Susan. You. You with the hair. I thought that voice sounded like McGann, and I was not sure. Yes, for those of you who did not hear that, there was a moment in the in the uh, Doctor's Wife where there's some whispery, shadowy voice inside the TARDIS saying, "I'm still here," and apparently that was Paul McGann who plays the Eighth Doctor. So that would be lovely. (laughs) Well, actually, I I, well before you get to the next question, I just had a question. I don't know if we asked it because you asked it when we were. preparing. How many people actually came to Doctor Who through Torchwood? Yes, did anybody watch Torchwood and then move on to Doctor Who? Not all that many, I'm surprised. A few. Yeah, a couple, a couple of my friends, I just, that's I, how they came to cause, it. Because at Gallifrey One, that's been the thing. The last couple of years, there's been more and more Torchwood people showing up. You know, that which... A lot of female Captain Jacks. Yes, the Torchwood lesbians. <laughs> we call those the Torchwood lesbians, the women who dress as Captain Jack. <laughs> Maybe not that lesbian because I got a kiss off of one of them, but you never know. Okay, we are running low on time. We got time for about two more questions here. Fezzes, uh, fezzes are cool. <laughs> <laughs> That is a fine question. I know something about the character that I can't really talk about at this point. But, Spoilers. Uh, so I can't answer, so you guys can do this. I have absolutely no idea. At this point, I've realized that whatever Stephen Moffat is going to do, he's going to do, and I never can guess exactly what it is. And odds are there will be a paradox that it's results. It's the Ronnie. <laughs> no, uh, I'd like yeah, to see can, the Ronnie. You can honestly say spoilers, but also the, the other thing is, yes, having met Stephen Moffat a couple of times... He, he, he delights, he, I think the doctor or, or somebody else once said, he delights in his deviousness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back there in the back, last question. Here, stand up, I can't quite hear you. Oh, gee, this dovetails nicely. Go to wileybadger.wordpress.com. <laughs> 
You just you just had to give him another plug, didn't and, you? And go to the section uh, go to the section called Essential Guides. I have a number of Essential Guides I've written about film, but I also have one about Doctor Who, which breaks it down by individual doctor with the episodes that are recommended viewing. Some of them are not all that great, but are necessary. Like a couple of the regeneration episodes are a little, but for the most part, they're all very good, and I think that's a very good place to start, in my own humble opinion. Yes, yeah, so you can stream a lot of them on Netflix. And actually, BBC has a YouTube channel that they have a couple of episodes on. Some of them, some of them are blocked by rights restrictions, but uh, you can see like Caves of Androzani on there. Yeah, what, the best episode ever. Uh, yes, the, directed uh, by Graham Harper, who then went on to direct stuff for the new series. But uh, I would say also, just I would say Rose, uh, Rose, the very first Christopher Eccleston, because that was the intent of the. Uh, that it was going to be for the for the people who hadn't grown up with it because there was 16 years there was a whole generation of kids who hadn't grown up with it in the first place so that was supposed to be a jumping on point in the first place then you could go back and look at all the other look at all the other all, all the other doctors and uh, so I, that's that would be my recommendation. All right, well, one more hand. You want to do one more? Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, yes, I'm getting evil glances from back there, so thank you everybody for coming. I get those, I get those, I get those from Jeff every two weeks. Thank you. Hi folks, this is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court every Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here at vtwproductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court. Your three-hour break from internet porn.